phone. And this was after the bus. Something went wrong. What went wrong? Nothing went wrong with you. Don't lie to me. And we're live on the camera. And yeah, I just shot at the something went wrong here. If we're live recording, do we want to, like, should we just let that? We've got these two. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Alrighty. Do we need to hook up that TV to USB? No. No? Or HDMI, excuse me. Let's roll with this first and get your mic ready. Okay. I think everything's rolling. Are we live live? We're live live. <laughs> Are we live? Welcome to the LaDude's cast. It is the LaDude cast and we took at least 30 or 40 minutes to get this all figured out. So there's going to be a lot of mistakes on this first go around. I totally agree. Totally agree. But podcast. it seems like these are moving in waves. All the cameras are pointing at us. So I think it's good. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, well, we're here. Take a deep breath because that was a little intense. The first 40 intense. minutes. I mean, it's bright and early Wednesday morning. We got stuff to do later. So we got to knock this out. Dude, if you would have told me that, like, when we were kids, that we'd be waking up at, like, 7 a.m. and on a Wednesday to talk about a book, <laughs> I'd be like, what? No, we're not. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But, I mean, here we are. I mean, that's what you do when you're 27, 26, 28, you know? Indeed. You the book podcast. is A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawkins. I think just on the outset, I liked the name. And I thought it looked cool, which is good, because usually, you know, with, I was expecting, like, a huge picture of his face, and, like, I'm the actor that wrote this book, mm -hmm. and on the back, it kind of seems that way, because, like, his yeah, headshot is very intense. <laughs> they definitely sell him as the actor that you should be reading and listening to, but apparently he's made a few books. Yeah, I, I noticed that, books. too, yeah. and, like, I hadn't checked any of them out yet, had you? I haven't, and you recommended this book. Why'd you recommend this book? Uh, just because I was curious, honestly. Like, I was just like, hmm, like, I like this guy as an actor. He seems to be, like, doing really cool stuff. Like, his Showtime, um, what is it, Good Bird or whatever? Where he's, like, the, the slave, freer kind of guy from history. Oh, yeah. that guy's name John something. Oh, I, I haven't actually watched that, but I've heard it's really good. Yeah, so he did that, and then he was in this other movie that's, like, he's a priest. Yes, I have seen that. What is that one called? The... Righteous. Yeah, that's something like this. Anyway, I'm, I'm behind on all that stuff. So I was like, man, this guy's just coming out with Haymaker. So I was like, let's read the book. But really, it was also because of McConaughey's book. And I was like, okay, these actors are taking quarantine and like writing something. Trying to find themselves. Yeah, so let's figure out what it is. Stuff. But, I mean, I liked it. Did you like it? I really enjoyed it. Ethan Hawke seems like 
just a very creative person. He's an artist. He was doing. Dude, you need to put that up to your mouth. He was doing plays like at a very young age, like a very young age, apparently. And um, yeah, it just seems like a very creative dude. I really enjoyed the book. It kind of gave. By the way, this is going to be spoiler filled. Yes. So spoilers. forgive us if you wanted to read it. Turn it off now. You know this this podcast. Turn it off now if you want to read this and go into it dark. But um, yeah, I like the book because like it kind of gave us an insight as to what it is to go through a divorce when you're famous, mm. right? Like you don't really think about it. Every time I see a celebrity go through a divorce, I'm like, okay, who cares? They have everything. At least that's how I feel. Maybe I'm less no, yeah. empathetic too. It was interesting in that way where, I don't know, it made me think of a lot of kind of like other things that we'd kind of seen recently, like Marriage Story and like the movie Her and like the movie Birdman, where it's like all of these kind of redemption, divorce, kind of family, actor, whatever, writer, drama stuff. It all kind of is like that to me. And I, it struck me as kind of strange because I feel like like this generation of people above us slightly, it's like their divorce story is like the normal like coming of age story. Cause it's all like, oh, I'm grown up now, I'm divorced. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like, but yeah. do, you, do you feel that way a little bit? Like where it's like the resolution's like, now I'm finally like who I'm supposed to be or like. Yeah, it seems like people want to rush into marriage and then they get a divorce by the age of 30, and they're like, yeah, I've already been married, I've already been divorced. <laughs> it is what it is. It, it is kind of like Hollywood and just other forms of media are basically telling us, like, it's, it's not really the end of the world. Everybody yeah. divorces. 50% of marriages end in divorce. Yeah, so I thought, I thought that aspect of it was, like, a little weird, where it's like, this guy's very much still acting like a teenager, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's, in the he's book. like, I'm a man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in this... But, I mean, one of the coolest parts, and I did like the book, I thought I thought some of, like, the love scenes and the kind of, like, I'm an alcoholic, but I get laid, like, a kind of aspect was weird, <laughs> and I feel like that wouldn't fly if it was just, like, not a famous guy. Yeah. But the middle section of the book, like, where he's actually performing in the play and doing the Hamlet stuff, that was good. Yeah. And I think, like, if you are a director and if you are an actor, if that's something you're interested in, I think this would be really good for you to, like, reference. For sure, for sure. I mean, I, this is something I wanted to ask you. Who was your... Because throughout the book, there's all these different guys giving Ethan Hawke's character. I don't know why I call it that, but it seems it feels like that for some reason. Mm -hmm. But, like, giving the main character advice. Who was your favorite person that gave him advice? That gave him advice. Um, yeah, there was, like, at least the first quarter of the book. Mm -hmm. It seemed like everybody was trying to tell him how to handle his divorce. And yeah. all of it was really bad. It seemed like to me, at least. And even he was like, that's crazy. I'm not going to do what that person said. <laughs> I think the most hilarious advice he got was from that older actor mm -hmm. that he, like, looked up to. He was like, this was my hero growing up. He's like, what was he, like, 80? Was this the, at the beginning? Yeah, he was like... Dude, I think this was funny, too. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the hero of this guy that was, like, an actor was, like, in his 70s or 80s, and he sees him at a bar hitting on some, like, 20-year-old. And he's like, okay, I mean, what's this guy got to say? And I think the advice that he gave to our character... He's like, just leave. He's like, just leave. Do something crazy. Just leave. Just get away from everything. Go get in the desert for, yeah. like, a year. And he's like, I have kids in there. He's like, 
what are they, four and five? They're not going to know you're gone. Okay. Yeah, no, I thought, and I thought the way that he did that, where he kind of, like, would make his character, like, go through all of these different things, and then all of a sudden have all these people giving him advice, I thought that was, like, a cool way to kind of, like, um, get character depth and stuff for him. Mm. But, like, and I, so I thought that guy was funny. I thought the, um, the actor was funny. And who was the big guy? Was it Bruce? In the play with him? Yeah, like, the big football player. Yeah, it was somebody that... He like shared a room with or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and that was really touching. But the way that he kind of like brushed by it was funny too. Yeah, it's a funny book. Ultimately, like I there's, a, there's lot a lot of moments. Yeah, where it's it's kind of dry and it's kind of like miserable humor because mm. we're watching this guy like his life fall apart. So I mean, I guess we could do like a quick summary so catch people up on like what yeah, we're talking ahead. about. This book is basically about a actor, a famous actor that's married to a superstar, like pop star, something like that. And he's feeling emasculated in his marriage and he's feeling, you know, just not like the man that he once was. And because he's having to watch his kids and he's taking a backseat to his wife and her career. So he cheats on her. Yeah. Right? And of course, because he's famous, he can't hide that. Everybody knows immediately that he's a no good cheater. And so he comes back to this, he was gone, he cheated like in another country, he comes back to the States and he, he's immediately thrust into this play on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, everybody's learning about his infidelity. And he's just trying his best to hold on to what he had. But at the same time, he's like, doesn't want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of times in the book where he's like, fuck my wife. And like, I don't want that life anymore. That life was terrible. But then at the end of the day, he's like, God, I would do anything to get that back. What can I do to get that back? Yeah. And like, that's kind of what I'm talking about with like the immaturity where it's like, I'm going to fight for her as long as I'm still getting mine, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, that's what was kind of weird where it's like, and he's pretty upfront about it. And that's what I thought was cool about like, you know, the inside to kind of like actor psychology or something. Cause it's like, he's pretty upfront about like, I'm a terrible person, but also like, I want this to happen. Yeah. Well, even when he was cheating, they go through like a little flashback when he's cheating mm -hmm. on his wife for the first time, I guess the first time and only time. But he was like miserable. He was like crying in this young girl's like lap and bosom and he like couldn't get it up and he like really was like upset that he was about yeah. to cheat. Nonetheless, he cheated, but... Yeah, well I think that's kind of, and I was wondering if you thought that, I think that's pretty much like what the title is. Because it's like he talks about her in such like a loving way and how like he needed this girl and like she solved all of his problems and everything so she's like this bright ray. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's tied up with all this guilt and all this, yeah. this act of cheating. And so it's like a bright ray of darkness. Yeah. And then it's like, he kind of continues doing it. And it's like this weird, like, <laughs> it's like this weird thing where it's like, he'll get drunk and be with some girl, but be with some girl in like a very like conflicted way. Like he's responsible about it, but then not responsible about it. Yeah. He loves them, but also doesn't like them. And then it seems know. like he was trying to put a bandaid over a gash. Yeah. Every time he was getting with a woman, because that's what he ends up doing, right? He mm. he starts this play, and I think that's really kind of 
good and therapeutic, right? Like if you're going through something tragic in life, you kind of need something to get your mind off of it and um, kind of like ride it out with you, right? Mm. What so, did you What did you think about um, his mom? The free for all, like kind of like she seemed very hippie-ish to me. She was just yeah. kind of like free loving. Like, yeah, I divorced your dad back in the day. It is what it is, you know, you're a good person. I just thought that scene where, like, he came home and she was just, like, on cocaine, like, cleaning the house. I was like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, he's like, this is weird. It smells great in here. She was baking. She had cleaned everything twice. Um, it kind of, like, gives you insight <clears throat> as to, like, why he is the way that he is. Cause yeah. It's like, it's like this doomed kind of thing. Where, uh, But I thought that, I thought that was funny, too. It also, I thought this was interesting, uh, speaking of his parents, he has a real terrible relationship with his father, right? Mm -hmm. And his parents divorced when they were, he was 10, 11, something like that. Mm -hmm. Really young. And he didn't reach out to his dad originally. He didn't want to hear from his dad when he was going through this divorce in the public eye. <clears throat> but eventually, he gets like his father to talk to him, they talk, and his father kind of helps him see like his divorce in a different way. And not like a way where like earlier characters were telling terrible advice. His dad was just kind of like, hey, uh, it happens, it's not the end of the world. You know, there's life after your marriage and your divorce, and it's gonna be okay. And I feel like when men go through a divorce, especially at like 30 or whatever this guy was, they don't really, I feel like they can't really go towards their fathers for help. Mm. Especially like if the father is still with the mother, you know, still with his wife, you know. It's, it's difficult to find, it's difficult to find somebody to give you proper advice that actually cares about you. you yeah. Know, that has your best interest in mind. Yeah, and I thought, I thought that was so cool how he kind of like tied that all together. I, and I don't, there's some line... But he was saying, like, I've been getting the advice from everyone, and, you know, I wasn't really listening, and then, like, I didn't realize that the only person I needed to hear from was my dad, you know, and, like, yeah. I thought that was kind of, like, a good, like, this is why you've been reading the book this long, you know, kind mm. of, kind of statement, but, yeah, I thought that was really good, and the fact that, like, um, you know, he rejects his dad kind of at first, and then, uh, finally, his dad And, like, what, yeah, apologies. of course he would, right? Yeah. I mean... He got a divorce, and the, he kind of talks about how he was a kid, and he was watching his parents go through a divorce, and it was just terrible. It was toxic. Mm. It hurt him deeply. It didn't make sense to him at the time. So, like, why would he seek out his dad for help in that matter, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, what other things are going on? <laughs> well, I just think, I don't know. So, like, the book itself was good. Um, there was some part, if I have, like, any critique, it's kind of just like, hmm, I wonder, like, if it wasn't him, if it would still be a good book. My answer is yes, mm -hmm. but also my answer is, like, court of public opinion would be like, okay, this typical male writer writing about girls and banging girls and cheating on his wife, like, haha, Like, that, that would... I'm pretty sure, though, that this is kind of his life. I'm pretty sure he... Cheated on Emma Thurman. I think he was married to Emma Thurman, right? See, like that's something I didn't even look into. Okay, like, so I'm pretty sure. But I, I, I might be wrong. I might be slandering you. Yeah. I might get sued for libel. But I'm pretty sure he was married to Uma Thurman and he cheated on her. And during that time, he, he did a play on Broadway. See, like that. 
That could. <laughs> I bet it might be his story. You know how actors love to tell their stories. Like, what's that? Is Marriage Story. Mm. is about the director's yeah. divorce, right? And that's what made me not like that movie because I, I loved the movie and then I was like, man, this guy... Did I just change me. your opinion on the book being that it's... Kind well, of that's what I was going to mention. I literally, and I said it earlier in the cast, I was like, I literally can't like talk about this book without imagining him as that character. Like, I don't even know the main character's name because I'm like, oh, it's Ethan Hawke. Like, you know, it's like... And <laughs> well, I don't think they even say it. Like, I'm pretty sure it's just... They say it. They say it. They say it. It's very rare, and every time it happens, I, I'm like, "Oh, that's his name," and I forget promptly. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think uh, that's something I want to talk about. Is like when you are like an actor with this big name, it's like, I mean, naturally, anyone who's writing a book, they infuse themselves into the characters and typically the protagonist. Mm -hmm. But like with him, it's like we all know exactly what he sounds like, what he looks like, and all these different actors. Mm -hmm. Oh, I read it in his voice. Yeah, and like <laughs> so, like the whole time I was just like, "Yeah, this is you. Like this is your life." And, mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, to what extent is that fair to do to him? I don't know, but he's kind of like doing it to himself, especially when he's choosing like this theme and this type of character. Mm -hmm. So I was actually so that's what I was curious about. Is like, is this based off of him? Like, and I didn't I'm know. Pretty sure. Theory. Should we look that up before? Yeah, I also watched a few Ethan Hawke movies in preparation. Mm. Did you? You watched no, anything I didn't Ethan watch, Hawke related? I didn't watch anything Ethan Hawke related. Um, but, I mean, I've seen so much of his stuff already. Yeah. And, like, he has a lot of writing credits, like, um, the Before Sunrise and Before or After Midnight or whatever, all those, that trilogy with Richard Linklater. Mm -hmm. He has writing credits, I think, with those, with uh, Julie Delphi, so. Um, He's definitely a good writer. Like, he has the skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me believe that like he could probably do anything in the creative sphere that he wanted to. Like, yeah. If he wanted to create a play on Broadway, he could. If he wanted to obviously write a book, obviously he can. Act, direct, you know, anything. Ethan Hawke, let's find your infidelity. You know, his daughter, Maya, is in that... Um, Stranger Things show. Oh, really? really? That? Yeah. He's got a daughter that acts. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Which character is she? Um, I don't know. I don't watch the show. Do you? Yeah, I've seen the show. Yeah, she's an older kid. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's his uh, kid with Uma Thurman. Couple separate in 2000. Yeah, so Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke separate in 2003 amid allegations of Ethan Hawke's infidelity. Done, done, done. So yeah, this book is probably definitely about that. Yeah. Because when you are famous and you cheat on your wife, um, people are going to pick sides. Mm. You know, the public's definitely going to pick sides. Kind of like when I was um, reading this book, I kept thinking of um, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie. <laughs> you know about them? Yeah. yeah, like Brad Pitt cheated on Jennifer Aniston and everybody hated Brad Pitt for a moment. But yeah, I wasn't... I was thinking about, like, the infidelity side of it and stuff, but... And this is mainly why I liked the middle section of the book. I was mainly looking at it through, like, the lens of, like... Like that movie Birdman that I was talking about. It was just like, okay, this is what it's like to be an actor, and this is, like, what it's like to be a director. Controlled chaos. Yeah, and, like, kind yeah. of, like, like, the way that he, like, bears himself and, like, allows himself to actually, like feel and let go of all these emotions that he's having in the external world and use it for what's happening in the play. 
I thought all of his kind of like insights on that were really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like the outside chaos of the world and everything. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, like this, this guy's a cheater. He's a bad guy. He's having a hard time like connecting with his wife. He can't like the kids, all this other stuff. He's drowning himself in alcohol. He's doing you drugs. Know, he's going down the stone <laughs> lane that got him in this trouble. Yeah. It's like, so he's tortured in that sense, but then he like goes and he bears it all on stage. Mm-hmm. And like hearing him, like the dialogue between him and the guy who shares his green room. All of that's really gold, mm-hmm. and then like all of the insights from like the main director, who was like his initials were JC by the way, which is like obvious Jesus Christ thing. <laughs> so it's like I didn't think about that, but you're not wrong because he already all figured out. He knew all the answers. Yeah, that's yeah. like and and then like so he he is the director for all the rehearsals, gets everybody the way that they're supposed to be, and then on the night of the first show, he like flies back to Europe. It's like, so he dies yeah. for their and story. Yeah. Yeah. And then he comes back. And then he comes back, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's an obvious Jesus Christ thing, like a whatever literary device. So it's like, but I mean, it was everything that guy said was awesome, I felt like. Like he, it, it you could tell like, oh, I'm getting this information from like a seasoned actor, seasoned mm-hmm. writer, seasoned director kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of perspective. So like all of that middle bit was really, really good. And it made, and I was thinking about this for the podcast, like, it would be fun if, like, we just used this as a starting point, and then, like, whatever it made us think of next, or made us want to investigate, we just do that for, like, the next show. Okay. And then announce it live. And then, and then we, like, we can just, <laughs> and then we can, like, build a tree of, like, this made us do this, and this yeah. made us do this, and this made us, like, and then it's, like, you know, anyway, we can talk about that. No, later, for but, sure. I mean, because... For this podcast, like I was trying to catch up on some Ethan Hawke films, mm-hmm. and I watched Birdman. You brought it up maybe two or three times now. I watched Birdman well, maybe a week or two ago yeah. because it is one of those movies that gives you a, um, you know, a, what just happened. Keep talking. Um, but yeah, Birdman is one of those films that gives you like an insight to what goes on behind the curtain as far as like Broadway plays and stuff goes. Yeah, and really love Birdman. Me too. And it, <laughs> really this is similar Birdman. in that way because of the because of the divorce and all the actors. They have such big personalities, like in Birdman and this mm-hmm. book. You know, they just have very big, bold personalities, and they're all very kind of egotistical. Most, yeah. most of them are, not all of them, but you know, they all have their own agendas, and they mm-hmm. all want to look good. And so, like, if you are into acting, into you know Broadway stuff, definitely check out this book. Yeah, there's lots of parallels between this book and that movie, like for sure. Like even when he had all the boils and stuff, and he was performing for those high school kids, I thought that was see like that's funny. That's funny and it's intense. Yeah, it's like so like he thinks he's gonna go and he's not taking care of himself, which which is such a man thing to do. No, like that's such a stereotypical thing that men do. Like they don't go see the doctor. Yeah. They have something wrong with them. Ah, it's fine. I don't need to go see a doctor. That was and like, maybe when you get older, like men will be like, all right, I need to go see a doctor. I can make my own appointments and get more mature about those things. But he's not in a place where he wants to be mature about these things. He's yeah. like, ah, I've got a scab on my belly and it's getting infected. It's fine. Yeah, it's very self-destructive, you know. Yeah, and I don't know. I I make my own appointments, and I go to the doctor. Do you? Am I just calling you out right (laughs) now? (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I'm pretty bad about it. I I should get better though, for sure. Mm. For sure, I should get better. But I mean, I am a little bit of a help, and I'm trying to live forever. 
but that's just me. But yeah, when I was reading that, I couldn't help but to think like that's such a man stereotype, like no, yeah, just not taking care of themselves. And he gets a boil, and what does he do? He goes to a hospital, mm-hmm. has a procedure done on it without any anesthesia or anything like that, mm-hmm. right? Just so he can play for these kids that following night or that same night, right? Yeah, because he thinks that the kids, you know, out of all the other people who've come and seen the show, who like know about his infidelity and have judged him because of that he thinks that the kids will be like just excited to be there mm-hmm. and like they'll be a really good audience when in fact like <laughs> they end up hating him more than anyone else mm-hmm. and that really like gets to him but it's also kind of it's kind of like a turning point in the in the book where mm-hmm. it, um that's because where his, well his character right his character in the play is the villain yeah but he never realized that. That was kind of a knock for me on the book, at least, mm-hmm. because he's the villain in this play, and he should have known that, you know what I'm saying? And he didn't realize it until the kids were cheering for him when he died. Well, I think that's kind of like this, the psychosis of an actor, though, where it's like, I am this character. Everybody's I am the protagonist. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I thought that was, I thought that was kind of like the cool turn and like that... Ethan Hawke did in the book where it's like if you're not familiar with the the Shakespeare King Henry or something it's like you're not going to know who who's good and who's bad mm-hmm. you know so it's like you know you read all the way up into that point and then it's revealed like I'm the bad guy you know and it's like I thought that was a really cool turn in the book because then he was like I'm the bad guy outside and inside mm-hmm. and then um so he's like, I'm gonna give my best performance yeah, and no one matter of, what. His mentor was like yeah. concerned for him. His mentor was concerned for him after he realized that you know, the bell had dropped, the glass had shattered. Ethan Hawke's character realized, like, oh, I'm the villain. Like you're saying, hmm. he's bad outside and inside the play. So, you know, after that his mentor came to him and he's like, Hey, are you going to be okay? Yeah. Like, are you still going to be able to come out and perform? And he's like, oh, I'm going to give my best performance even more so now because, you know, I can I can take this on. You know, I can take this type of burden. Yeah. I've been doing it. Yeah, and I thought, I thought like, the, the way that he married that, like, turn in the story with the W.H. Auden, like, um, critique of the play and, like, how... Uh, the director and him agreed, like, oh, yeah, that guy's stupid. That was a stupid critique of the play. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, it crashed over him. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe he was right. I thought that was good. What did you think about um, the secret notes on his door? I thought the entire book that it was his wife. <laughs> I thought the entire book that like, she's been leaving him secret notes. Yeah, she's going to be She dope. still loves him. No. Um, and then it just was some <laughs> random character that we didn't even yeah. know about who was just sad. I, and I thought, like, that was, like... Like, I read into that deeply, too, where I was like, man, like, like all of these actors, in, like, what is a play at large, you know what I mean? And what does it mean to so many people? And it's like, to him, it's like, I gotta reestablish my name, and like, I gotta, and, but for her, it's like, this is the only time ever in my life and that I'll do this. she was just like a little side character, yeah. not a really big role at all in her acting. I think they said she showed her breast on stage, so that's probably yeah. one of the main reasons why she got selected, because she would do that every night. Um, I love that he included her though. Like, if he it was went, upsetting though, like, it was upsetting, <laughs> but it, it just showed like he didn't leave any type of like archetype out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He kind of covered all the different people in that you're gonna, in a production yeah. might be like, you know, in some way or form. And it's like to kind of add her in at the very end like that, at the last party, like 
You can imagine it yourself. Yeah. Which is sad. It's also a little funny. He's like, he's like uh, trying to remember her name, and he's like, "What's her name? What's her name?" And then he remembers yeah. it, and he's like, "No, I promise, you mean so much well, it to was, me." It was beautiful because it was like this whole time you're following like this one character's story or whatever. And it's like, you're not, there's other characters, but you're not, and they kind of tell you their story, but you're not thinking that there's other, like, active stories mm. in the world. But then it's like, you, you hear this one girl, and it's like, dude, she's had this whole book herself, where she's like, you know, I put another note on, on his door, maybe he'll yeah. notice me today, like, and she's doing this thing, and all of a sudden it's like, her, that, all of that's revealed in this just, like, Why do you like, think she was? Why do you think she was sending the notes every Well, day? I mean, just, like, think about it, it's like her big break on Broadway, she's, She's there's this famous actor there. She's trying to like encourage him through this tough time and like get some attention herself. And it's just all for naught. He like never even thinks about her. He's just like oh another note, you know. And then it's like at the end. <laughs> well, he was curious. He was curious about the notes. You know, he was asking around like who's been doing this. But she never reveals herself to the very end. And I feel like that was kind of unfair for her to just like yeah, want, want him to be like, how come you didn't recognize me? Well, you never put a name out. You never talked to me, really. How am I supposed to know that you've been sending me in little encouragements, little notes of affirmation to me every day? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not, that's not really fair for her, for, yeah, her to do Not that. fair. I just thought it was interesting to like... That he would add in a character like that where it's like this has been her whole like thing and she's mm -hmm. gotten really really close to everyone and like everyone else is like it's just like a mental break yeah. <laughs> but, but like tripping out like I just want to stay in touch with all y'all everybody's just like you can totally see that okay. happening though you can totally see that yeah, happening sadly but yeah I really like the book it's definitely a redemption story if there can be such a thing for somebody that's a cheating Bastard. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that that can kind of touch upon, like, all the cancel culture stuff, and just, like... Did you ever feel bad for the guy, like, because um, he, he cheated, and he kind of, like, explains, like, you know, his wife wasn't really attending to his needs in the marriage, his wife was a little distant, and, it, you know, he was having to watch the kids, and he was parenting all by himself, which, you know... I feel like women and mothers say that a lot, like for a reason why they want to mm -hmm. divorce is that their husband's not there for her, the husband's not giving her credit where credit is due. And we, we think all the time, like, yeah, that's a perfectly good reason for, you know, a wife and a mother to divorce her spouse. Mm -hmm. But then when you see it from a guy's point of view, like, do, do you think that carries the same sympathy? Or like... I don't know, like... When I was thinking about stuff like that in general, and kind of why I brought up those other movies and stuff, is like, I'm like, okay, like I've I've heard this like boohoo story from divorcee guys mm -hmm. multiple times. Like it's like that in Marriage Story. It's like that in Her. It's like that in Birdman. It's like it's always about the guy getting redemption and getting the kids, and it because it's like most of these people telling these stories are guys, and so like I felt bad for him. But it's like, we didn't even have a chance to feel bad for anyone else, you know? So it's yeah. like, I felt bad for him in that kind of like, oh, boo-hoo, famous actor kind of <laughs> way. But like, also, dude, you're still like, having, famous actor. <laughs> you're having sex with like 20-year-old girls and like, getting drunk. It's like, you're not trying to help your situation. Why? Like, I don't want her to come to your play. You're still doing the stuff that like, you're revisiting the place that made you sad to make mm -hmm. you happy. And it's like, that's just a terrible like, thing to do. So it's like you can kind of feel bad for him in that he can't figure it out. It's like watching a kid fall over and over again. It's like, 
feel bad for him in that way, but it's like, you know, ultimately not really. He could have done a lot of better things to like work harder to get his marriage back, but he didn't. So, yeah, I felt like he was, it was just kind of like his ultimate weakness was just like drinking and like <laughs> like continuing the same mistake. Speaking of his drinking and drugs, there's a point in the book where his friend gives him like a bag of blue pills. Mm. And throughout all of life, I don't know why I associate blue pills with Viagra, but because Viagra is a blue pill, so I always thought blue pills, Viagra. And his friend (laughs) gives him a big bag of blue pills and he's just popping them every day (laughs) before the plays. So it's got to be like, you know, a Xanax or a Clodipin, like something to relax them. But for a while, while I was reading this book, I'm like, is he just taking Viagra? <laughs> is that giving him confidence while he's out here, like, performing? I, I don't know. Speaking yeah, of that probably makes sense. All, that, that would be a total, that'd be a completely <laughs> different read on the thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's one thing that I was uh, caught. Because there's a number of times where he does, like, a lot of drugs and alcohol, and he's a little miserable about it, but he's still doing it. Yeah. And then, the, well, there was one of the times where... There was a there was a girl and he felt great afterwards even though he like chugged a bottle of whiskey. Was that the one that he was like really aggressive with? Yeah, <laughs> and, like, that's my only critique of the book. It's like the middle section of the book where it's all talking about like what it means to be an actor and like what it means to do this play and all of that stuff. It's so good and so well written and you can tell like he's he's using all of his knowledge from being an actor. Mm-hmm. But then it's just kind of like you you got to go through these pages of just like his sexcapades and I'm just like I'm like dude it's like you're just it's it's not it's not good and it's making the other things bad I feel like because ultimately I feel like that's going to turn a lot of people off. Yeah. Cuz it's like how many books are out there with people just like and then I banged this girl this way. Like <laughs> I'm pretty and I felt great the next day. Like don't worry about it I'm awesome. Like yeah. but but I'm tortured artist. It's like dude you could have just you could have just done the deep stuff and like had it there's some sense of humor about him being a bad person but also he he gave himself three four paragraphs of like talking about how someone looked and how they made him feel and how their skin felt it's like Mm. that's not needed i I felt like that's my well maybe maybe that was shown to like maybe maybe he was saying those things so he could like maybe he was like refining himself that's what i'm trying to say well, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, he's refining his, you know, young 20-year-old self where he's like, hey, I can do this, you know, all this, these drugs and have these sex debates, like you said. I guess, I just feel like 32 is like a weird time for midlife crisis, and it's like... Did you think that's what he was going through throughout the book, midlife well, crisis? If that's what, well, that's what I was kind of saying when I was talking about the beginning, where it's like, what is it with all these guys in their, like, I found, my, like, coming-of-age divorce thing? It's like... What? I get to, like, I don't understand divorce being the time to be like, I'm going to act like a teenager again and grow up again. It's like, no. It's like, you, you messed up adulthood to get, like, you got to do that again. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know, like, it, it seems like always kind of a cop-out to be like, I'm going to, like, go figure it out again. I don't know. I mean, there is a lot of movies and books about the woman perspective on a divorce what, the yeah, what right? awesome. I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. But <laughs> there's, there's got to be right. I mean, I feel like there's, there's a lot of definitely. This could be what we read next. I mean, I'm sure there are stories out there, but in popular mainstream stuff, it's not. 
it's not obvious to me that there are. Mm-hmm. Like, the things popping to my head are all written by guys from, like, a guy's perspective. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. Did you, you did you watch that movie Blue Valentine? Yes, with, was that the Ryan Gosling one? Yeah. Yes. So, like, that's, that's pretty interesting because it's simultaneous, the love story and the divorce mm-hmm. story. And I thought that was... Even in that movie, though, I hated that girl. I hated the wife in that movie. Yeah, it's because it's awful. That's a that's a male writer too, so it's like it's kind of tough. Well, what about um, Lost in Translation? I th- see that I'm was gonna get shamed for this. No, I'm gonna get judged, but I've never seen it. Have I've you, well, have you seen the movie Her? Yes, of course. So the movie Her is actually that Spike Jones who was married to um, Sophia. I can't remember what's the guy who did Godfather, Coppola. I think so. His daughter is the one who did Lost in Translation. Hmm. And she was married to Spike Jones, who did her. So, Lost in Translation was about her and Spike Jones, and Spike Jones like, doing all these music videos and traveling all around the world, and her just kind of like being like, you know, lost. And then, years and years and years later, the movie Her is his rebuttal to her about what, how he felt in, in the divorce. And like... <laughs> That's, like, one of the reasons that this topic, like, actors writing books is interesting, because it's kind of just like, dude, like, what is, what are you, it's like, you know when Twitter was, like, a bigger thing and everybody was subtweeting each other? <laughs> yeah. That's what all this stuff is, and it's just, it's just kind of like, that's why, like, I was, I didn't like all of, like, the sex scenes, because it's kind of just like, dude, I know you're giving, like, sub- subtle jabs to whoever this is about, and I was just like, this is very, like, shallow and, like, not well thought out. Yeah. Ethan Hawke's definitely subtweeting in the Thurman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyways, what's your favorite Ethan Hawke movie? Ooh. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Let's pull up his eyes. So, I really like Richard Linklater as a director. And so, and when they work together, like, the boyhood stuff was really, really good. I'm hesitant to call that, like, an Ethan Hawke movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, the Before Sunset, um, After Sunrise, like, that trilogy, I'm always messing up those titles, but that trilogy, have you seen those? Mm, what's it called? What'd you say? Type, uh, Before Sunset? I don't think so. Oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. He did, like, how many of them? There's three. Three? And they're genius. Like, it's... Those are romance movies? Correct? Yes, but they, they're so, they're very well done, Mm -hmm. and, like, they have really cool master shots of, like, 15, 20 minute, like, single take scenes where it's just him and the wife talking. Is that the movie where they follow, like, kids for, like, 10 years or 13 years? No, that's Boyhood. Boyhood. But it it uses a similar tactic. Like, Boyhood, Mm -hmm. every summer for 12 years, they film some of the movie. Mm -hmm. And these, this trilogy... right? Who would have thought to do that? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Richard Linklater is a badass dude. And he, oh, are those the same director? Same director. Look at his filmography. He did he did School of Rock. He did um, all three of those movies. He did Boyhood. He did um, Richard Linklater. Yeah, the name. One of the most down to earth directors you'll ever find. He's just Texas dude. What What are some of the other ones? Um, he did Dazed and Confused, I think, which is actually McConaughey's like uh, first movie. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He produced Days and Confused. And then what, um, what's what's the, what's one of the more recent ones? Uh, always. Uh, everybody wants some. I was th- I watched that not too long ago. Anyway, the, 
they're all of these kind of like um, moment in time stories, mm-hmm. and like he's just, he's one of my favorite directors for sure. But those before sunset movies, what it is, it's it's people meeting uh, abroad in Europe on a train. They spend all night together, and then they agree to meet in like five years. Movie ends, right? And then ten. And these years, are complete strangers. Complete strangers. They fall in love one night. And it's really romantic and really well done. It's not, like, cheesy. And then 10 years in real time, like, real-world time and in the movie time, they, like, he writes about the experience. Ethan Hawke's a writer. He writes about the experience, how they didn't end up meeting each other um, at the time that they said. And he's doing a book tour, and she comes to the book tour. They meet again. They fall in love again. And it's, like... The movie's like cliffhanger. And then 10 years later after that in real life and in the movie time, they're married with kids and like going through marriage <laughs> problems. And like just see it, watching them all is really, really well done. And those are the ones I was talking about he has writer credits on. And like you can tell he's like robust in that way. But like um, he in this book, I just kind of felt like he was going down a road like that. I felt was not... First Reformed was that priest movie that mm-hmm. we were thinking of earlier. Yeah, um, I have yet to see that, but I want to. It's pretty It's pretty good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, My friend said it's really good. It takes, like, a priest that... He, like, a priest becomes radicalized. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty intense. So you I, watched it? Yes. I think my favorite movie by him is probably Gattaca. Gattaca? I've never seen that. You've never seen Gattaca? I thought we all had to watch it in high school biology. That's where I first Like, I thought, everybody I've talked to, I'm like, have you seen Gattaca, though? And they're like, yeah, I watched that in ninth grade biology. It's like, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I love it. Um, no, I've never seen Gattaca. I've, I was thinking... Training Day, though, right? Ooh, I almost said Dead Poet Society, and then Training Day came out. <laughs> Training Day might be good, but see, like that's what's tough. It's because that that's a Denzel movie, and then like Dead Poets Society, that's a that's a Robin Williams movie, kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't really know what's his movie. Uh, the Purge. No, no. <laughs> Did you no. like the Purge movies? I like the Purge movies, and like uh, there's six of us, and we can't decide what to watch. So it's a popcorn <laughs> movie. Like <laughs> I, I thought it was a really cool concept, but I think they've never executed it properly. Yeah, I never thought that they told that story I, good, and then just kind of like as Purge movies kept coming out, they just kept getting worse. Yeah, worse. I would have loved a Purge movie with like a um, like a simultaneous storyline talking about the politics of it. Yeah, I like, but they tried to get something like that out, like the in the third or fourth Purge, but like it just fell flat because you've already done this so many times. Yeah, and it's just yeah, terrible execution. I think it's just cool concept. Yeah, I don't know. What else has he been in? Dead Poet Society, like you said, that's a solid one. Is he the main boy in that movie? Is he like it's like I I think so. He's the main boy. I'd have to watch it again. Dead Poet Society is weird for me because it's like it's in that whole category of my favorite movies. But like I wouldn't want to say it's my favorite movie in like a bar conversation because it's just like people are gonna oh oh yeah like yeah. But like (laughs) Good Will Hunting, Dead Poet Society, like Forrest Gump. All of the, like, those movies they're are, like, classic, they're my favorite but... movies, but, like, I'm not going to tell someone because they're going to be, like, oh, Tarantino, or, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's kind of, like, not, it's not, that it's the good, feel-good, like, kind of embarrassing thing to have as your favorite, I feel like. Do you feel that way? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody told me at a bar, like, my favorite movie is Good Will Hunting. <laughs> I'd be, like... <laughs> 
I watched this movie with him recently with, uh, what's that guy that died? That was Hoffman? No, what's his name? Philip Seymour Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman. He has a movie with him called something like Before the Devil Knows We're Dead or something. Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Mm. And Ethan Hoffman, have you seen that movie? I don't think so. Seymour Hoffman, one of his probably greatest films, top five for me. R.I.P. That guy. Um, it's just basically about, you know, two really shitty brothers doing really shitty things. (laughs) (laughs) Killing their mother for money, basically. And Ethan Hawke feels kind of bad about it. Richard Seymour Hoffman's just like, dude, it was for money. That makes me, um, the two brothers kind of thing. Have you seen the movie, uh, Good Kill? Is Is it Good Kill? What's that guy? He's the new Batman, and he was in Twilight. What's that? Pat Pattinson? Dude, that guy's on the come up. Robert Pattinson. What's the I'm a fan of Robert Pattinson? What's the? It's the same guy that did um, the Adam Sandler movie. Andrew Nicole. Are you talking about directors? <laughs> What's that new Adam Sandler movie? Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems is that same director, and he does a movie with Pattinson, and um, Pattinson's like with his like brother. He's like kind of mentally like retarded and uh he's like getting to like rob things with him and it's like this really oh. intense like oh yeah i love that movie that's it's not, that's, good, uh, it's not good kill good kill something else yeah no that movie i watched it like twice uncut james whoops oh what is that movie called yeah that movie <laughs> I think the problem with doing this podcast so early is that we're just like a little, barely figuring a little out dull. good times good times so good kill, good times. It's there, yeah. No, good kill's a great movie though too. Uh, yeah, good times, and that was an Ethan Hawke movie too. Good kill. So, was it really? Yeah. Jeez, man, that's We're the just podcast. Thanks, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening to two early bedheads. We are at forty-five minutes. That's pretty good. I said we do another fifteen. Yeah. Or another ten. I do have a meeting at nine thirty, so let's do another that's ten minutes. Perfect. Um, okay, so let's talk about what book we want to get into next time. I think we discussed for this podcast, maybe have seasons, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe do books and actors that are writing books, right? Right. Do we want to keep with that same trend? Because I can think of like only two other books, Matthew McConaughey, and Jesse Eisenberg. Well, they book. they all every actor's got some sort of book. You would think, these right? Days. Yeah. So there's tons of them. I'm tentative to continue down that route. What I'm more excited about was kind of because I don't think any other podcast does this. Where well, I guess naturally all podcasts do this, but I don't think any of them map it out. Where like we have a starting point where we started with like this book. And we can get a whiteboard right here. I've got a couple. Dude, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, okay, this, we, during the conversation about this book, we started talking about this. So we decided to do our t- next podcast on that. So we were talking about this, and that made us think about this. And we just kind of build out a web 
I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but so, let's see. What have we talked about? We've talked about cheating. We've talked about Ethan Hawke writing, or actors writing books about their lives. Mm -hmm. Directors writing movies about their lives. What else have we talked about that we could branch off of? A woman's perspective on divorcing? That would be a good one. That would be a good one. Can we think of an actress that's put something out like that? Oh man, just any memoir probably. Any of their memoirs. Yeah, I mean, is that a Hollywood marriage that's they're obviously stable? Is. Yeah, but stable for like Dude, at least a decade Hugh or longer. Hugh Jackman. Every time I see his wife, she just looks like the. Okay, we gotta go. I'm going down the wrong road here, but I, let's go down um, a wife's kind of perspective. A wife divorcee. A wife divorcee. We could do that. Or we could go to something more simple, like a movie. Um, what is Scarja? Does Scarja have a book? Well, I don't know. She's married to that guy who does SNL, Colin Jost. She's got books. She's got books on books. She's also put out albums. Like music albums? Yeah. What? Is she a singer? Yeah. She's got like one good song I like. Why did I go to her? I guess because of Marriage Story. Mm, who else is out here? Who do you think's interesting? That probably would have a book. I don't know. And we can talk about it off the Megan podcast. Megan Markell. Too. We could do her. That's a hot topic right now. Even though she's not divorced, she is an actress. <laughs> and the royal family hates her because of her skin tone. Yeah. I don't know. Let's think about it. We can talk about it off the podcast. But I do... If we do like this idea of doing like off, like branching off from one topic to the next kind of thing. I'm with it. That I think nice. we should decide it right here, right now. Ooh. Live. We don't have to. But, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay. I'm going to put this down. You keep talking. I'm going to find. The only divorce I can think about is Jeff Bezos' wife. She divorced him. She's the fourth wealthiest woman in the world because she divorced him and now that? she remarried a teacher at her son's school or daughter's school or something and I was just like wow Imagine I didn't know she remarried that guy just got 50 what is it I can't remember I don't even know 530 million or something more well didn't she give a lot of it away yeah but when it's that or much is it not, giving it yeah, away it's just giving it. taxes back to yourself it's like, true at that level, I feel like... I could have sworn she was giving, like, billions away at a time, and she's worth how much? 50 million? Yeah, it's worth something like that. So I just typed in, popular women divorce books. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what do we got or something? There's so many of them. Um, you know what? Maybe we can get really good at podcasts and do this live, and maybe somebody could check in and be like, hey, y'all should check this out. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually, this it's is probably the first easier podcast. to do live actually because we've got it's gonna be fun to edit because we got this, <laughs> this, and this going on. Yeah, three cameras, and we could just pop one of these cameras on live, maybe. Yeah, IG, Facebook Live. Yeah, one of them can do like, yeah, YouTube or IG or something for sure. Popular women. Well, I mean, honestly, I've got a huge bookshelf over here. Lots of books I haven't read. What are these books over here? You know what I'd be interested in reading? Norwegian Wood. That's a short book. Uh, Ruki Murakami 
It's his only kind of uh, realistic fiction book, that, and I haven't read it. Um, and it's What's a, it about? It's a romance. I'm not sure if it's about divorce or not. But it's we, out there. We want to keep it on nonfiction, right? Or fiction. doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's also another book I've been wanting to read um, called The Art of Love by something from maybe get from away from the divorce stuff and, and maybe learn about, learn about love i'd be down to do that art of love mm -hmm. i am actually reading two books right now flowers for algernon have you read that book no i've seen that movie that, that was, was in my biology class <laughs> oh really <laughs> that book is so sad oh yeah, my goodness yeah it literally makes me tear up every time i pull it uh Type in from yeah that Eric from one the art of loving by Eric from I really want to read that book because I'm I'm terrible at that. Oh, it's a psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. Speaking my lingo has helped millions of men and women achieve rich, productive lives by developing their hidden capacities for love. Let's see, 180 pages, relatively quick read. We could do a turnaround next Wednesday. Yeah, reading Flowers for Algernon, and then also uh, I bought that 12 Rules, 12 More Rules for Life, mm -hmm. the new Jordan Peterson book. Yeah, I never read the first one, but I, pretty, I feel like I know it. The first one, yeah, if you've listened to any of his podcasts or watched any of his YouTube videos, it's pretty much the same stuff in the first book. I'm hoping the second book probably has more to do, like moves away from all those YouTubes and podcasts mm -hmm. that he's done because he's actually gone through a lot of crazy stuff in the past couple of years. So maybe he has a fresh perspective on like life and how it should be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hearing what he went through and like being in Russia and everything is interesting. <laughs> I'd be down to read that book. Mm. Yeah, we can read that book okay. in a due time. I think we should do this book, The Art of Love. The Art of Love? Yeah. Okay. Keep yeah, this one's good, up. too, because I'd like to hear your perspective on it, just given your education and everything, so. Yeah, we can do that. Um, well, cool. Are you reading anything? Uh, always, always. Always and always. What are you picking up right now? Right now, I'm at the very end of two kind of big books. I'm at the end of East of Eden, John Steinbeck, and at the end of 2666 by Roberto Bologna. 2666. Yeah, he's a crazy, I guess, Chilean writer. And the it's is it about the devil? Okay, I'll give you a I'll give you a short background about the dude, and then about what the book is. So the dude, Roberto Bolaño, was like a heroin addict, and a really genius writer, but like he had some like terminal disease. So he wrote this book in five parts because he wanted it to be released as five separate books to kind of like make sure his family had money after he passed away. But after he passed away posthumously, everyone was just like, ah, fuck it, let's just release it all in one huge book. So, I'm, so it's... I'm, Is it like multiple stories then, all jam-packed into it, one book? It's, it's genius. It's like, the first book is about like all these academics who are like studying this elusive writer that no one's ever seen. Sort of like Thomas Pynchon, if you know who that is. Thomas Pynchon wrote Gravity's Rainbow, um, Inherit Vice with that movie. Um, anyway, mm, yes. Yeah, so Thomas Pynchon, he's this like enigmatic writer that nobody's ever seen, no photograph of him ever. But he's like published these best books. So it's like kind of a play off that guy. So all these academics are following these, this person and the, you see their life and they all go to Mexico because they think that's where he is. And then they're in Mexico and they're trying to find him and 
then all these other characters are introduced and then I'm in this third part of the book which is the the biggest part and it's just all these rapes and killings and darkness and going on in Mexico and yeah and it, get, it gets dark so it's heavy to read I've been reading it for a long time and I just I just like yeah that's definitely one of those books it sounds yeah. like you gotta like put down I'm gonna come back to that in a couple yeah. weeks when my head's right and I've, I've always been really good about that is like simultaneously reading books and then just kind of like one month just boom 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 boom, boom closing Knock them all out because um, I, I think people are too ceremonious about books. Like, I need to read this, like, right now with this candle on cover to cover. Yeah, and I like it needs to be like, a ritual. And I feel like some yeah. some, some people can, you know, use ritualistic things to, like, read books. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like set the mood. Maybe not set the mood, but, uh, you know, sit down. Like, I'm going to read. I'm going to read from this time to this time. I'm going to read this book. Well, yeah, I hate how it's, like, so highbrow. Like, like, having all of these books to me is, like having just a bunch of channels on my TV. So it's like, I can just grab one, and I I, have, I feel no weirdness about just grabbing one and reading it from the middle. Do you never feel guilty that you haven't finished a book, or no. that, like, you haven't revisited the book in a while? Not at all. Like, no. I feel guilty that I'm not reading more, but I don't <laughs> yeah. feel guilty, like, oh, like, I've never finished this. It's like, no. I mean, most of the time, I'm in it for just, like, having a conversation with the writer, getting the cadence of, like, what they talk mm -hmm. like. So, like, I'll, I'll pick up something and just start reading it, and then I'll flip back to the beginning and I'll start it. Or, or something, or it's like... Yeah, that is something I have to uh, actively try to overcome, because, you know, I only started reading books religiously maybe yeah. four years ago, so I am somebody that's like, all right, I want to finish this book, I, I want to read it, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to finish it, and stuff like that. Well, I mean, the way I look at it is, like, just get your net pages up. You know, if, if you're... Just get the net yes, amount yes. that you're reading up. Yeah. By the end, you're, you're, you're just reading more. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between someone who read a thousand pages and somebody who read, like, a thousand-page book? You know, mm -hmm. it's, like, not a whole lot, honestly. I do feel a strong sense of accomplishment when I do finish that last page, close that book. Yeah, yeah. Finish it, put it away. Me too. I can talk about it on a podcast now. It's fun. It's, <laughs> a, it's fun, like, meeting someone who's read the same book as you. Oh, it's, for sure. It's very... That's very exciting because mm -hmm. the weird thing about books that's totally different from any other art form, in my opinion, is like you finish it and basically have no one to talk about it with, which is very like which is very weird because it's like I mean there's some of these books where I'm like if someone I'm dying to meet someone who's read it so then it's like oh like yeah. let's go like because yeah. otherwise it's like you, it's just yours and mm -hmm. like that it's your conversation with that person and I, I I've always really liked that about books but also kind of like felt weird because I have like one of the reasons I think I have a hard time finishing books is because it's like, when you finish it, it's like, you're just kind of like saying goodbye well, to that world. Yeah. You know, you can go back in, but it's like... Yeah. It's I think that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to start a podcast. We talked about, like, just having a podcast where we discuss books, and then it became a little... Something more than that, you know, where we talk about... Well, we still don't know what it is yet. Yeah, yeah, true. Just a couple of dudes. But just a couple, couple of dudes, dudes out couple here. A couple of dudes, couple of dudes. We're just dudes Le dudes. Le dudes. But, um... Yeah, so, like, it's basically, like, a virtual book club or a mm. book club in podcast form. That's what I wanted to start a podcast about yeah. so people can have, you know, a, a outlet to, you know, finish their book, you know. Yeah, I like it. But um, with that, I think we should kind of wrap this up. Let's do it. You got gotta, stuff to do and yeah, early it's been fun. So, uh, Ledoux cast, share us. Hope you like it, you know. Um, yeah, tune in. We'll so get better at this, we promise.
Peace out. What you got going on at uh, 9.30? Um, I got a meeting. <laughs> Should I get out of here in a haste? Um, no. You, you want to hang out? I don't know, but if you guys